Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ production. Today is February 3rd, 2020, and we are recording in the house that Meltzer and Warren Moon built with uh, my mentor, Dave Meltzer. Oh, man, thank you so much. I'm talking about the house that, you know, Cali Barbecue built. I think <laughs> I'm going to make the playbook Cali Barbecue if you just give me some more of that brisket. <laughs> well, I, I, we, we didn't bring brisket. We it's forgot the, the pulled brisket. Pulled pork. I, I was trying to uh, <laughs> negate my kosher, my kosher brother, but, yeah, I was the pulled pork. Well, I, I think that's, that's part of our teaser. We're going to bring brisket next time. But uh, one of the coolest things about the podcast world, about the digital world, about if you're new to listening to this podcast, Digital Hospitality, it's essentially our thesis. And our team is working very hard to educate other business owners to let them know that we live in a world where you have to be digital. You have to think about all the touch points that a customer takes to your journey, to your business, whether you offer a product or a service, as well as the hospitality business. Every business needs to be in the hospitality business. And that's not just customer service. It's not just, oh, I'm going to answer the phone because it's rings. In hospitality, and one of the advantages we have as running a restaurant is that we know that we have to work on all of our senses. We have to think ahead of the customer, and we have to anticipate needs in a way that we see an elderly woman that's walking into the restaurant. We anticipate her needs, and we open the door. These are things that are going above and beyond customer service. We understand that when a family comes in and they have a stroller, that we're, we actually want to help them with the stroller. It's not an inconvenience to us. They're taking the time to make that. And for me, this is such a special day because today is the day after the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, Kansas City Chiefs. They came back, huge, huge comeback, 10 points. Um, but we get to speak with Dave Meltzer, who has become a mentor to me because of digital hospitality. You are so accessible. And one of the things that connected me when you were on Scott Kaplan's, um, actually his radio show before Mighty 1090 went down, uh, the Scott and BR show, you were talking, I believe, about connected to goodness. You were talking about a lot of the principles that you talk about on the playbook, on your podcast, you talk about in your books, you talk about on international stages that you speak on. You've are starting to impact so many people because of your media team. And you've built this media team that is just so phenomenal because you're amplifying your message. And first off, I wanna thank you for being accessible. Thank you for allowing me to be a mentee. Um, we've just started this relationship. I finished both of your books. We've had a couple of calls. I've come up to uh, Sports One Marketing. I've had incredible interactions with everyone on your team, um, Colleen, everyone that's been even Fenster. I mean, last time I was up here, <laughs> Jeff Fenster, who was on this podcast last week, we founder were founder of Everbull. Founder I've been mentoring of, since he was five years old. That Jeff Fenster. That Jeff Fenster. And Jeff Fenster is just, he's an incredible man. And he's going to do such great things. Um, he already has done great things. And the fact that I was able to connect with him through LinkedIn is kind of back to why we were able to connect. And it's accessibility. And being accessible, the internet has created these oh shit moments where you realize I can reach out to a Dave Meltzer. And because of your philosophy, because of how you live your life, you actually have made yourself accessible. So thank you for that. <laughs> and you. I really want to talk about this. I want to talk about present because 
you do such an incredible job producing content. And I highly recommend that the first thing anyone that's listening to this podcast does is subscribe to the playbook and to get connected to goodness and game time decisions. Those are the two that I've started. How many other ones do you have? I have Unstoppable, Create the Life You Love, as well as Compassionate Capitalism. Four have been published, four have not. I've written eight. I write a book every six months. Fortunately for me, the books have been extremely successful. So the publisher, like McGraw-Hill, won't let me cannibalize a book so quickly. Um, but I have Don't Do Business with Dicks coming out. Nice. Uh, also, Trust the Universe, but Tie Up Your Camels. These are, <laughs> these are preliminary titles, but we'll see uh, what like they look titles. like when they hit the market. And uh, But yeah, look, I, I am so grateful. You talked about all these people and all these things. For me, my greatest success is to watch you. And just in the short amount of time that we've been coaching together and working together, I can see a transformation where you're impacting other people to impact other people to impact other people, which is my ultimate lifetime journey. And the funny thing is more and more is coming to me. I'm just making room for it now by being of service and asking for help. I'd like to start with what you started with in being accessible because I, one of the simplest lessons that we'll keep sharing together and hopefully sharing with others is that there's, I call it the Meltzer kaleidoscope, but there's a lens that I look through life with. And it's not just one lens, it's a kaleidoscope. It has three different colors to it. The first is gratitude. If, if you can train yourself to practice and fear, to utilize a perspective that my past has no resentment or offense to it, it only has learning lessons and light and love in it, that my past is just amazing. My present is even brighter right? My present is extraordinary. And my future is even better than that. That's a lens of gratitude. I get to do this. I don't have to do anything, right? I, it's a try me attitude. Things get challenging. It's like, oh yeah, man, try me. Not the why me attitude of the entitled, entitled uh, multiples about masses out there and blame, shame, and justification. So you know, to have a lens of gratitude is even more important than the accessibility. Who wants to access you or do you want to access anything if you're not grateful? It's true. So I start with the lens of gratitude and then I move to actually a lens of productivity. Uh, and the lens of productivity is simply viewing everything through the lens of how can I be of service, of help, provide value, being kind to my future self, helping somebody with a stroller, allowing me to understand, like I've taught Jeff Fenster in the philosophy of his 20-some stores of Everbull in 18 months, that it's not just the customer's right, it's you're of service. Yeah. Right? It's how can I be of service to you? And if you like your, you know, bun with no sesame seeds, then it's my responsibility to take the sesame seeds off the bun for yeah. you, right? I don't care how long it takes. You, you Owning one customer for life is way more than serving one customer for a day. Yes. And when you take the sesame seeds off a bun, you own a customer for life because nobody else will do it. No one else is kind to their future self. No one else lives in a lens of gratitude and productivity. Then finally, what we are talking about, which people think, to me, they give me too much credit for being accessible. I, I'm in the flow, right? So accessibility is how can I be accessible to more people mm -hmm. and how can I access what I want? Oh, I know, being accessible to more people. Yes. The more people I'm accessible to, the more people I'm helping, the more people I'm service of. Therefore, like I train you, is ask this series of questions to get there, to live my life with that lens. Series of questions of how I can be of service and provide value and a series of questions of how can you be of service and help me.
You and I have been friends in in a mentor mentee relationship for a shorter amount of time, less than a, a month. Yeah, about, about a, a month, month, right? About a month. But I can't think of anyone that I feel like I'm in the flow with more in a business sense. Yeah, right. It's just like, oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll do this. Sure. We're, we're just flowing, and it's like Scott Kaplan, Jeff Fenster, the barbecue, into speeches, into training, into the digital hospitality, and it, that's just the start. I can't wait for a year from now. That's you know, truth. it's That's so awesome. Truth. And I see it. I went to the Super Bowl and it's a mile marker for truly the execution on your digital hospitality concept. I've been executing on, I don't name it that, but it's very similar to what you do. And I've saw the results over three years at the Super Bowl because, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and I sat down and, you know, he convinced me to have digital hospitality. I love that. Where I was traditional hospitality before. Yes. And there I, I was, this miles marker has been incredible. Tell me about that transformation because it, it's so important, and Gary Vaynerchuk is a silent mentor of mine. Yep. Even though you know we don't have an. He's actual, not silent. Let's be he's, honest. <laughs> he's, he's very loud. He's very. He's a very loud mentor. You're an unknown mentee. Correct. Of his. That's correct. Uh, better. Better. Better stated. Um, but Gary Vaynerchuk obviously has been laying down a foundation, and I've been following him seriously once I saw him on the cover of I believe it was Entrepreneur Inc. magazine. Entrepreneur. And, once I read the article, it was exactly, it was like the first time I listened to Tupac or the first time I listened to Eminem. All of a sudden, this business article was speaking to me and the way that he was speaking was like, holy shit, this guy's doing everything that I've had to do in my small business and my restaurant to keep the doors open, except he's doing it on a global scale. And that was, you know, three, four years ago. Yeah, it's exactly. How did you, when did you know, when did you? You've had those feelings, but it takes, you got to jump off that cliff to go, now I'm going to be public. And I, I've heard you say how much shit you got from your friends because you were posting on Instagram, you're posting on Facebook, you're posting on Twitter. It's like, what the fuck's wrong with you, David? Yeah, no, it, people will laugh at you, scoff at you, snicker at you before they applaud you. And you, you know, the, le the lesson that I've learned overall, you know, I love stories and lessons is just start voting for what you want. Yes. And you know, I love Gary. That's why he resonates with me. And I didn't know him but for three years ago, literally today, right? Three Super Bowls of days when I met him. People begged me to meet him to help him with his sports agency. And I had no idea about digital hospitality yes. or your concept or his concept. And I had no idea who he was. AJ, I'd seen at a charitable event and fell in love with him because he's a sweet soul and a beautiful man. And he was starting a sports agency. You know, I got years of experience in that, so I thought mm -hmm. I'd help him. I had no idea what I was about to walk into. <laughs> and I had no idea at all. Yes. And, and But when I started learning about Gary, which is different than AJ, what I loved about Gary is what transformed me years ago when I lost everything was a neighbor of mine who wasn't a close friend, but he had this great saying that just, it rang in my heart when he said it. He said, David, you need... You, it doesn't. He goes. I'd rather. I'd rather have people hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not. Yes. And I said, "Where were you ten years ago, man?" Because I have been trying to make everybody love me. And Gary V, he would rather have you hate him for who he is than love them for who he's not. Because he will stand at the National Association of Broadcasters and first sentence out of his mouth would be, "Radio's dead." <laughs> 
right? That's, <laughs> That's exactly what Scott Kaplan told me. He exactly. was sitting in the audience and he was like, holy shit. Who is this Mike dropped this whole room. On the first sentence. On the first sentence. And they're and paying him, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to come speak. Yeah. And he Mike dropped. Like, I, I, was, <laughs> I was with him at Super Bowl this year for our anniversary. And, you know, he wanted to do a longer interview. And he didn't want to. I wanted him to. Yes. Or we thought I wanted him to. So we sat down. Old Spice was so cool. Gave me this great studio. I love that. Right that on great. Radio Row. It was awesome. Your, your media Dana team White. did a great job capturing all that content. Amazing, right? Dana White, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Katie Kirk, Dana White. It was I, I still don't believe it happened. Donovan McNabb and the old Spice and it's guy. It's only going to get perpe- It's only going to get bigger <laughs> when they but, see that. Exactly. Absolutely. But he sits down and we're. He's. In, I sit on the barber chair and my first question was, "Egg G, I know no one really asked you this, but is there anything I can do for you?" And he's like, "No, I'm good." Right? And then we start talking about responding to people, helping people. How do you control? I said, "I'm hitting the masses." And his authenticity, which is also what I like about Gary, he he's not scarce in the sense like he rejoiced like. Jeff Fenster, yes, I get more thrill out of my his success than my own. I like, believe that. Like every dollar he makes, I'm like, yeah, like you know, <laughs> on 28 stores, it's yeah, your guy. It's, it's a, I mean, I mean, the, it's the relationship. literally, yeah. and I see Gary with me that he votes for me. Yes, like he literally votes for me, and it means so much that I'm like, man, I'm starting to hit the masses. How do you, you know, make sure? Like, I want to be sincere. In helping people, what if I can't get back to everybody myself? How do I manage expectations of who I can get back to, how I can get back to you, where I can get back to you? You know, how can I do this? And he first reaction wasn't to help. It was just like, oh man, that makes me so happy. Yeah, because you have the same DNA. Yeah. It's the same blood type. And, you it's know, that it's quantum like, memory. It is. It's when, you know, when you go and give speeches, I'm sure there's people that are just so compelled to come up and say, David, thank you so much. You've changed my life. I've read your book. I've done this. But then you give them a follow-up, how many people do the follow-up? And you've said it just about saying thank you and saying thank you in the morning and saying thank you at night. I mean, after after 15 days, after 30 days, after one day, yeah. right? Yeah. The interesting thing, too, is that frequencies. You know, I'm more cognizant of frequencies than Gary. Like, I understand the marketing side of traditional media of what messaging and communication is yes. like. Gary understands through an evolution of selling wine how to market media in the digital sense, but he has not have thirty five years of experience of you know Met Rex, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Laurie, like all these Correct. things that I've done. And the interesting thing about frequency is I've all and I haven't really shared this in this direction, but I've always had a philosophy that eighty seven percent of the people are at a lower vibration. Mm-hmm. And it's not a separate thing. It's just sure. they don't understand uh, certain things that you may say. So if you're talking about quantum mechanics, quantum space, quantum memories, and things like that, 13% of the people out there will be like, oh, I get it. Yes. Unconscious competency. I get what Dave's saying. And it has nothing to do with education. Correct. There's like, I got uncles that went to you know Wharton, and I start talking about quantum, and they're like, huh? Correct. And then I have some friends that didn't graduate uh, you know, college, but went to USM and they understand the quantum mechanics and quantum memory. Doesn't matter. It's not education. But the point is, people like Gary Vaynerchuk, what he really talks to is that frequency of touching you. Yes. And recently I was at the Super Bowl and thinking about the people snickering, laughing at me. And there's still some haters out there. Yes. There always will be. Of course. Right? No no swords formed against me will prosper, though. And I think to myself, this great line had the same effect as that first guy that said to me, I'd rather have people hate me for who I am than love me for or not. And it wasn't from Gary, but it applies to Gary and I. And I love this. Ready? 
and it's about those people that will laugh at you. You, you too, Sean, is you, you, your family is going to say, what are you doing? You're they've right. been saying, I mean, pe yeah. people that I love, people closest to me, they've always said, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I Why love are that. you opening a barbecue restaurant in 2008 in Spring Valley? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But but you've got to do that. And that's exactly yeah. to your point. So here's a line that's going to hit you in the heart like it did me. And it's an old line that I just forgot about. But it's, lions don't lose sleep over fretting the sheep. <laughs> wow. Right? The sheep... All you sheep, you can vote against me all yes. you want. But the lion's going to walk on the, in the pride, right? He's going to walk in pride by himself at the top. I'm not going to lose any sleep over sheep. And there's plenty of sheep out there that vote in the wrong directions and vote against yes. you and vote. They don't know what they're doing. They're, the good thing about sheep is as easy as they vote against you, they turn immediately and say, I'm so proud of you. I always knew you could do it. You're the best. I love you. That's correct. I'll buy all your books and I'll do everything for you. Well, I'll invite you out on my parties and beg you. Right? That's correct. You're a sheep, dude. That be a so lion. Correct. Be a lion, and you're a lion, Sean. Well, I appreciate that. And actually, I, I want to go back to what you said. So you're with Gary Vaynerchuk at the Super Bowl. It's your guys's what third anniversary? Yeah, that's where we met. Like one of the things that <laughs> always resonated with me and Scott Kaplan and I talked about when um, when I was deciding if you know, am I going to reach out to to Dave or should I ask Scott to reach out to Dave? How how, how is this going to come to come to be? And he said one of the most powerful things that you taught him which you're teaching me now is to ask for help. Yeah. So when you asked Gary for if you could be of help, did what did he say? So it was interesting. He actually at that time allowed me. Really? Yeah. Which which is him anti off, which is anti Gary. Yeah, which is worse. And that's a man thing, I yeah. believe. And he's so anti that he <laughs> when I first it helped me in my relationship because he kept saying cuz I was helping the the sports agency, right? Yes. And I had such access. So he was like, "You're ahead of me." I don't let anyone get ahead of me in giving. <laughs> and I use that to my advantage because I needed his help more than he needed mine. Gar Gary can, you know, pay for people, hire people. He could figure the shit out. Sure. Right? But I I have some gems still. That's why I You ask have relationship Gary. capital. And I have situational knowledge. Yes. You know, like I'll, I'll share a secret that I shared with Gary that a lot of people don't know about sports agentry. I said, Gary, all these idiots are going after the same players the same way. I said, when I go to Super Bowl, I make sure that the assistant trainer, the trainer, the locker room guys, that they all get party tickets to the Maxim party or the Playboy party or the Sports <laughs> Illustrated party. And everyone's always asked me, like, why are you giving that guy a ticket? Because those guys never get fired. Correct. They never get moved from the oh. team. They're the most grateful people yes. in the world. They're the best friends you can have. And guess what? They have the best access ever. Right when when the trainer says, "Dude, have you ever met Dave Meltzer? You got to meet him." Guess what you do? You go meet him. Yes. When your agent says you got to meet Dave Meltzer, you got to meet him. You roll your eyes to the back of the head and figure, "What can this guy do for me?" That it's, it's that's so powerful and so important because so many people, when you think of the stadium and you think of the gladiator, they always want to be next to Russell Crowe or they want to be next to the King. But there's so many other people that caused that event, that 100-day celebration to happen. All those people, you could be of service to them. And who knows what they could do for you. Yeah, if you're not bringing a gift to every person at a registration desk, to the events that you love yes. to go to, you're a moron. 
Absolutely. You're a moron because those people keep coming back and volunteering and they usually give them the same position. Correct. And especially like the head lady. Correct. Like if you're not bringing something substantial, you know, yes. not a Dave Meltzer connected to goodness book, but something nice. Something thoughtful. Yeah. I, I had the lady at this uh, Ray Lewis party and wonderful woman. I kind of recognized her and she's like, oh my God, Dave, I follow your stuff. I love your success. I'm so happy for you. I'm one of your first followers. She goes, you gave my husband this watch. No way. Yeah. She goes, and I, so gave, awesome. and I got you a suite at uh, the Lakers, you know, for, That's and, so and then awesome. keep going. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, he's still wearing it. Yeah. I'm like, is that real? Shit. I don't know. <laughs> but no, honestly, people don't, Kevin, figure this out. And I don't do it uh, to get anything. Correct. I, no, I, you, I, you do it because you can't. You can't live your life any other way. Yeah, and and I started. You just figuring, can't do and it. And the strategy evolves. Like Gary too, from being a great guy and a nice person. Like we we have awareness to things. So because I didn't care who you were, and for years I did the Lee Steinberg party, yes. and I let everybody. I started seeing because the the dots connect backwards. I started looking and saying, "Geez, it's really good that I was nice to this lady." Now right. she's doing this for me. Hey, it was, and I didn't do it initially because of that, but I learned Correct. all the lessons where now some strategy has come out of it, but it's still not an intentional strategy. Absolutely. I still, though, look, I always say you don't know who the gatekeepers are. It's when you learn not only the series of questions of how you can be of service or of help, but also what you're going to have to still work on too, and Jeff and Gary is receiving. Yes. Right? Where I'm getting really good is to comfortably feel good about, hey, do you know anybody that can help me? I was on the phone, just did an interview this morning, and you know, typical of most people, hey, Dave, what can I do to help you? And I just straight out said, you know what? I need to impact over a billion people. I need more stages. Yes. Right, I need more stages. So if you're, you know, parents, it was a younger kid that I was helping out. He was mm -hmm. in the dorm room, I could tell. I'm like, you know, if your parents, your aunts, uncles, anyone has annual meetings or, you know, belongs to big groups, you know, I'll discount it, whatever. I want to impact people, please. And he just came back with like, oh, yeah, I have a great idea. My dad's the president of this, and they're mm -hmm. looking to hire a speaker. And but and they, I'm like, eh. Right. A year ago, I wouldn't have asked. Well, I mean, I think that's part of the, you know, you talk about, there's a book that I absolutely love. It's called Top of Mind by John Hall. But he talks about those things. When, when the universe speaks to you, there's ways that, you know, we're helping the universe along by doing thoughtful things, by living our life in the right way, by being connected to goodness, by doing those things. All of a sudden, like for us, when we go to KUSI News, we're so fortunate that Tommy Sablon, the producer, we've established a relationship. He needs something for last minute Super Bowl ideas for a segment they're doing. He texts me, hey, are you available? Of course I'm available, of course. And then I text Derek, who's, who's my business partner. He owns the butcher shop. We bring Steven from our catering team. We go there not just for the segment, but we go there to feed the camera crew. We go there to feed the lighting guys. We go there to feed the assistants. And all of a sudden, we're making an impact on the station, whereas a chef might go and they'll just bring enough, you know, for, for the, the show. show. Right, yeah. We're taking care of the entire thing and that leaves a lasting impact. Not just on Tommy, the producer, did not just on brisket? the anchors. We did, we did bring See, brisket. now the truth comes out. 
<laughs> we brought brisket for KUSI, but you know, not, I'm, not I'm, for sports. But the universe marketing. takes care of sports one marketing because he didn't bring the brisket. And I has to come. You're back gonna and get bring so the much brisket. It's right, gonna be exactly. ridiculous. They say, this brisket's so good. They send it to New York. This is true. People is in true. New York want his brisket from San this Diego. This is true. That's unheard that's, of. That's that's an Ari Siegel story. Um, <laughs> but no, one of the things I I definitely want to touch on because it is top of mind for me and somebody I've I've wanted to hear your opinion of. Mamba mentality and how it impacted the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, I've been blessed to know Kobe, to interview Kobe with Tencent um, into China. He's huge in China, great ambassador to Chinese Basketball Association, et cetera. Where Kobe lies and <clears throat> where I saw it most was when he retired. I've had my seats on the floor with Diane Cannon. I've watched him play for years like everyone else, but. When you say Mamba mentality, it's a spirit of excellence. It's more than a mentality, right? It's more than a mindset. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of excellence. And so if you look back, and this is where I started to see as Kobe, um, his life ended, I said, man, he had a spirit of excellence when he was young. Most people don't know this about Kobe. Um, first conversation I had with Kobe Bryant we were talking about movies because he was doing the Academy Award stuff, right? Yeah. This is after he's playing yeah. conversation. And what what's so he So when do? he went to win his Oscar, right? Yeah, he, he hasn't been even basketball. nominated for oh, the Oscar. Okay. He's doing the movies. Okay. And I've done some movies, you know. And yep. So we're talking and, you know, we were talking about it and, and I started realizing, man, like everything he does, he has a spirit. When he was a kid, so he, I go, what's your favorite movie? He said, Rudy. I'm like... Rudy's your favorite movie? I go, guys like Dave Meltzer love Rudy. Yes. Right? Five foot seven. Sure. Played college football. Everybody said I couldn't. You know, I'm an average division three player. You know, that's the Rudy story. I know Rudy Rudiger. And I said, how is Rudy your favorite movie? How does that resonate with you? Since the time you were in the seventh grade, everybody thought you would be a professional player. You recruited, you know, your dad was in the military. Every place you went, you were recruited. Like literally recruited yeah. at that age. How is Rudy applicable to you? And he said, because like any other kid, when I wasn't motivated, when I didn't want to go to practice, when I wasn't trying or doing my best, my dad would hand me that DVD. <laughs> wow. It changed. I was like, whoa, spirit of excellence, man. And then he's like, his SAT, most people don't know, he got like a 1490 on his SAT out of 1600. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So- the Mamba mentality is a spirit of excellence. It's everything that he did. When his daughters wanted to go to China with him, he wasn't, as a father, yeah, you know, obviously he could afford to take him to China. But he said, you want to come to China, then be my interpreter and learn Mandarin. Then I'll take you to China. And they did. Wakes him up. His girls wake up four in the morning with him. There's a spirit of excellence. It's a productivity, accessibility, and gratitude that creates that spirit of excellence. And nobody in my life, Warren Moon, spirit of excellence. Hall of Famers, it's not just their great players, John Randall, Bobby Bell from the Chiefs. They carry a spirit of excellence. You can feel it when you're around them. Marshall Falk, who I do business with today, right? Well, you got to meet because he's in San Diego. Yes. And you got to, awesome. <laughs> absolutely. But Marshall, spirit of excellence. Like he'll drive, he's coming up here to teach a class and to do, everyone, the Mamba mentality will save the earth. When we take a standard that is not normal to 
any type of resistance. This man's in the flow. So if we're going to learn anything, and this is the stories when you talk about the Super Bowl that I had when people, you know, knowing who I am and what I do, or like, what do you think of Kobe? Or this is how Kobe touched me or my Kobe. I just strictly talked about the spirit of excellence and that if you can learn from his life, this journey that he was on, to maybe focus a little bit more on your spirit of excellence within the potential that you have, Right? No matter how much I focus on basketball, I never could be Kobe Bryant, sure. my quantum memory. Sure. But no matter how much Kobe literally focused in on sales, I don't think he could be Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Right? It's quantum in my nature Absolutely. to sell. Grandparents, grand, great parents, all of them. My dad, unbelievable salespeople. That's my quantum gift. Now, did I improve my basketball skills far beyond what anybody probably thought? Yeah, and that really sucked. My football, <laughs> I was decent at least. Yeah. But you get the point. Sure. Live life with the spirit of excellence. And I think probably that's one of the things. Like your brisket, all, by the way. Like the brisket. <laughs> Pulled pork's not bad either. One of the things that resonated with me so much is, and I, I've been reflecting on it in the last week, and is that it, it's that Mamba mentality is something that I grew up with watching my grandfather. You know, and I brought you his book that I was able to uh, to write with him, the the Harvest um, by Lubin Walchev. And you know, he he was born in a village, a village in Bulgaria, and he was born to be a farmer. And it was only because his grandfather taught him a love of reading and a love of curiosity, and that passion allowed him to read every single book in that village, so that he needed to go to another village to get access to more books. And for me, watching him grow up, I never met my father. Um, my mom had me when she was young. My grandfather said, you know, come back to San Diego. I'll help raise you. I've always been so grateful, even though we lived such a life of privilege. I was, I, would, I grew up in La Jolla. I mean, the most incredible, beautiful place in the, world. in the world and got to go to the Bishop's school. You know, it's the amount of money that people would pay for a college tuition at a, at an Ivy league school, but it was always his focus on work. No matter what we had, he always cared about work. And then that was, that resonated in all the sports that I watched growing up, you know, and watching Kobe grow up, literally live his life on television and me as a Lakers fan, you know, watching that and then his second act as a dad, you know, and being a girl dad. Can you talk about being a father and the, the exponential, <laughs> the exponential impact that the. Yeah. It, it, you know, I start off every speech now and I say, who here grew up poor? because I grew up with such a strong mom, right? Six kids, single mom. And I didn't grow up with privilege, although my mom was uh, principal later on as she moved us to San Diego of a very expensive private school. We're happy so that my, she moved you to San yeah, Diego. <laughs> my younger siblings got to go, but you know, looking at that is just, for me as a dad, I look to my mom because no matter what, I, I wanted to be, and I'd start those speeches and say, who here grew up with nothing? Half people usually raise their hand. And I say, I feel sorry for the rest of you. Yeah. And I don't feel sorry for you because at least you saw your grandfather, like how he treated people, yeah. what he had learned from growing. You know, David in the Bible, who I'm named after, right, means beloved. He was born a farmer, a sheep herder. All the brothers were meant to be the king, but he was chosen. 
because he was very much like your grandfather. Yeah. Curious. He wanted to be more interested than interesting. He wanted to be kind instead of right. Uh, you know, my last name means waiter. So David means really? a beloved waiter, beloved servant. That's what David was in the Bible. That's what your grandfather was, was a beloved servant. So for me, being a dad, I'm a beloved servant to my children. I was blessed to have three girls to start. So I lived most of my adult, adult fatherhood as a girl dad. Yeah. And I had baby oops. This is pretty public, so he's not going to be too damaged. Uh, and he's baby awesome. Oops. But baby oops came, and I got a little boy. There and, you go. And I was always told God would give me what I needed, and I finally learned the lessons that I needed to learn by being a girl dad and the blessing of not only being a father but one of of women. And in this time, to be able to see the equality, to see the growth, the exponential opportunities that exist, there's not pure equality yet, but there's far more uh, opportunities for women now. And I love playing a role in that. I just had Cynthia Kersey in here who wrote Unstoppable Women. One of my mentors is a woman. Um, several of them are, actually are, but to me, uh, led by my mom and my wife and now my daughters, uh, I think I know exactly how Kobe felt to learn we spend so much time as athletes and in sports around men yeah. and a skewed vision of equality that I think the blessing of the wisdom of all those women around him uh, allowed him to grow. And you could see that growth. He made mistakes when he was young. Yeah. So did I. So did I. And, uh, and I you know, forgive myself, but I've always been a good father. Um, not always a good husband, not always a great husband. I am now. Like I'm more confident. It's so funny. Like I just talked to my wife about this. I love my life because I'm more confident now that I'm a good husband than I am a good father. And I said for two reasons. One, I really focused, and it's easier to be a good husband than it is a good father. Yeah. And two, my daughter started getting into being teenagers and twenty something. <laughs> and I said, even Mother Teresa flies across country with three teenage girls. When she lands, she's no more a saint. Right. She would lose her cool. <laughs> That's right. Well, it, yeah, it's fun. I, you know, I have a three-year-old. My son's going to turn three in uh, this summer, and my daughter's going to turn one. And you know, I'm reading all the parenting books, and one of the things the parenting book said exactly that is learning how to be a good husband is going to teach my son and my daughter the relationship between a man and a woman. Yeah. And it's often forgotten because it's all the focus is how do I be a good dad? You know, how do I take care of a girl? How do I take care of a boy? But really loving my wife and being there for my wife and being understanding, they're watching what I'm doing. And they're much smarter than you know we give them credit for. At the Super Bowl party, my uh, son gave me a huge compliment. He didn't even know it. They, they were talking about boyfriends and girlfriends and him having a girl. He's nine, right? <laughs> like how old he'd be when he would have a girlfriend. If yeah. he and he was so cute because he said, well, you know, Daddy loves his girlfriend, and the whole party went quiet. So did I. I'm like, shit, dude. Is this getting recorded? I'm like, what are you talking about? And so the woman who had just met him that day is like, oh, who's your daddy's girlfriend? And I'm hoping he's going to say, like, you know, <laughs> someone way out of my league, you know, like that he just heard me joking about. Right. And he said, no, my mommy. That's And amazing. I was like, that, I've reached the pinnacle of relationship that my son's perception of the woman who I adore the most in my life, respect the most in my life, and I'm so grateful for more than anyone, even more than my mom is my wife. But yet in his eyes, he still sees her, like the love I have for her, as a boy that loves a girlfriend, yeah, which is obviously different it's, than other, right? And as a married guy, I think you kind of get that. Oh, it's that—that's profound. I mean, that—that that means so much. And 
part of what I'm trying Instead to do. Instead of is, like is, 10 years ago, my girls were like, you mean the warden? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you're a bad husband. Right. They get a perception that your wife's the warden, not your girlfriend. Yeah, it's, I mean, the back to the digital hospitality yeah. portion. Back um, to why one, we're here. Well, one of the things, no. Shameless plugs. None though. of the thing is, it, it's so important for people to understand the cell phone. And I think you're a perfect person to be talking about the cell phone, being the CEO of the first smartphone um, in your previous life. But now seeing, there's a significant date on uh, June 29th, 2007. That was the day that the iPhone was released. The only reason I know that date is my son was born on June 29th, 2017, 10 years later. Yeah. I was in the hospital, I was Googling what, you know, what significant happened on this day. And the reason why it's so significant is that it's impacted every single form of business. Um, you know, if you think about what's happened in the last 13 years as what we all have to do, different industries that have been impacted, companies that have gone bankrupt, companies that are now giants. Um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with the cell phone, your personal relationship with the cell phone. Are you iPhone or Android? I am iPhone, iPhone. now, but my first phone was a Samsung manufactured okay. Windows C device, first smartphone in the world in 1999. So my education and understanding of phone is voice without data. Yes. And then how to convert people to understand that voice is data, including the carriers that had no idea how to bill data. We didn't use an iota browser, which was utilized in a WAP phone, those old flip phones mm -hmm. and this razors and crazers and all those, but we used a Windows CE browser. So we had the first browsing, true internet browsing capability of a phone. So we didn't know they were called smartphones back then, the iPhone and uh, others, uh, iOS's kind of danger and a few others started coming up with that concept. We were so early, it was called a convergence dev a device. Mm -hmm. It converged a computer with a phone. Yeah. And it was That's truly, really. yeah, 1999. We won Best of Comdex two years in a row. I spoke all around the world on convergence, taking content, access to it in mediums, which I still talk about today in a whole different Isn't context. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, but the main thing that I've learned about telephones and the most valuable things is there's two things that kids need to learn. This is a very competitive place for children. And a lot of parents don't know how to create separation or distinguishment in how they should be educated, where they should be educated. There's a lot of money, you know, that people can't afford just to go to Bishops and to Harvard. Correct. You know, and you have to make an economic cho choice for your children if you can't afford to send them about educating them about borrowing money or grants or, or loans or junior college instead or entrepreneurship instead or online education instead. What do we do? Two areas that I'm very, very strong on to help everyone, not just children, but especially. Number one, telephone. You need to know how to use the telephone. You, a telephone's a mode of communication to carry a frequency, a vibration, an intonation, a connotation. Voice is made for a telephone. The data side of a telephone is still the same as a laptop, it's just smaller. Yes. Voice, when voice becomes ubiquitous, there won't even be a handheld device, right? When voice is ubiquitous, that means that in the air, we'll have a hologram or a 3D rendering of what we're talking about. Everything will be controlled by voice. I'll say camera off, playbook on, time, and in my, I might even have an insertable or a wearable in my ear that's just telling me. Yep. It'll translate into 90 languages like this, so I can just say, call China, you know, Mr. Chung. It'll be searchable. It'll be, yeah, yeah. look, that's coming. Yes. 
But the difference is you still got to talk. You got to get into somebody's head. Vo like the voice speaking to somebody, you don't need to see me. I can make you cry. I can make you mad at me. I can, I can move you emotionally. I can get credibility, emotional attachment, quantifiable reasons, impacts, and explain my capabilities all by voice without you hearing anything. I can move you to buy something if I know how to talk to you. I don't have to be in person, but it helps. I don't have to be in person. You can hear my voice to do that, and people are losing that art. They think they can text you and move you. The only thing that will move you is the content in a text, not the text itself. Voice, like I'm trying to do now, will move you by the sound, by the strength, by the, the, the loudness or the softness, whatever it is. You can't get that on text, you morons. That's what the telephone means to me. People, you want to make and distinguish your life. You want to be successful. Learn how to use a goddamn telephone. And then the second part, which I tie into telephone, I know it's a little off top, is just what your grandpa had. Toughness. Yeah. Right? You learn toughness. He spent all that money on those schools. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure academically they taught you better than I did at Patrick Henry, the public school. But they must have done fairly well because, you know, my brothers and sisters went to Harvard, Penn, Columbia, summa cum laude with the greatest minds from the greatest schools. Yes. So they must have been capable of something. But I'll tell you what they didn't teach to Patrick Henry, Bishops, Francis Parker, La Jolla Country Day, Torrey Pines High School, Carlsbad Village, whatever they are. None of them. Taught what I learned was just straight out old school Eastern European Gary Vaynerchuk toughness. Yeah. Come out tough me. And I'm not talking about physical toughness, although I have some of that as well with the tiny little body God gave me. I'm talking about try to beat the toughness out of me. Yes. The mental toughness, the emotional toughness, the inspirational toughness. You learn the telephone and toughness, you will be successful. That's why every kid in this office that comes to me and says, I want to work for you, Mr. Meltzer. I'll do anything. I'm like, <laughs> you want to do something? Then you want this job as bad as Rudy wanted to play football at Notre Dame. And after the kid tells me who's Rudy, and I kick him out of the office and they go watch it, <laughs> they come back. They do. They come back and they're like, ah, shit, I get it. Yeah, I get what David talks about, about toughness. This guy was sleepy, hid the key, and he slept here, and he went to junior college, had no money. Right? I mean, the stories go on and on. You either know how to use a telephone or know how to be tough. You want to really be successful, learn those two things. You'll do it. It's the vibrations. Frequency, yep. Frequency and the vibrations and the cadence, too. Right. Right? Yeah. And the consistency. It can beat the content. Text has to be all content. Yes. Right? It's good to tell you I'm going to be late. You sure. know, it's real quick, it, little messaging with the contents. You, you don't care if I'm going to be there in five minutes. You don't care if I'm like, I'm going to be there in five minutes or I'll be there in five minutes. You don't care. No. It's five minutes. Okay, good. I'm scheduled. <laughs> well, it's one thing to be efficient. It's another thing to come across and deliver the content and context, really. Right. That's what we're talking about with audio. Right. With audio, video, obviously you can get both. Even better. Even better. In person, the best. Those are the things that when we're trying to talk to our staff at the restaurant, as much as we love digital, as much as we love Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcasting, you name it, we're we want to be on everywhere. But when we're at work, the smartphone's down because this is where the magic happens. Yeah. Whether, we, whether we record it and have somebody else put it up, that's completely different because we know that that message can get amplified. And that's one of the things that always resonated was you know coming to your training here your team has been able to take the content that you're teaching right here to interns and employees that you know has been proven to, to work, 
but now you're packaging it in a way and distributing it to the internet so that it can impact more people. Why and how did that come about? Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare <laughs> wrote, the, wor the world is your stage. Yes. And I started realizing, just out of sports sponsorship, how much more value I could provide if I captured something. Let me give you an example. In the past, I used to assist big teams and leagues and organizations of bringing sponsors in. They'd pay $100,000. They'd get a tailgate party that you hopefully would cater. Yes, we can do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, yeah, Cali we can Barbecue. Do it. We we're on but, it. So we go to Charger Game. Cali Barbecue does a huge tailgate for you know CarMax. They would get that with the executives, and they meet some. Che the cheerleaders would come. You've sure. seen these, right? Yeah, absolutely. Then you go into the early to the game, and the key executives would get the passes to go get on the field. Sure. Then everybody would meet back up to have some more Cali barbecue in the suite and do the hospitality during the game in the suite. And hopefully, once in a while, they see you know Carmax on the, sure. the big screen or on the side things. That was like a hundred grand. Yeah. Good business for. Are we talking Super Bowl? Or are we talking just, just a normal, any, just normal game. sports sponsorship? Yeah, like a Spain, right? Like some game. But, you know, and they would hope that people at home, somebody watching the game would go, oh my God, I saw Cali Barbecue. Or yeah. they, they I saw you on the sideline or something would happen. Not anymore. I started saying, the world is my stage. What if I captured what I was doing correctly? How much more value? How many more hundreds of thousands of dollars of value? When only like this many people were seeing that and it was more about the hospitality, what if I now could go to CarMax and say, look, I'm gonna videotape Kelly Barbecue doing the, the uh, tailgate. I'm gonna videotape you on the sideline talking to Philip Rivers and Spanos and all those guys, yeah. meeting Dan Fouts and seeing the cheerleaders. That's again. the value. Yeah, then- That's <laughs> unbelievable exponential value. That is the world we're living oh, in. Oh, just get you just, That is it. It's even more. Cause then I'll go to the suite and I'll get all those conversations of your biggest dealers, right? Then what I'll do is I'll edit it the same day. <laughs> I'll give you a highlight video that's way better than the game. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I'll go before the game and have the team run all the assets that you bought. Yes. That say Cali Barbecue yes. or CarMax, whatever. And I'll capture all that. Then I'm going to mix up a video and put it into different formats for LinkedIn, Correct. for Instagram, for Facebook, for every and Twitter. Correct. Then it's going to be distributed, and you're going to send it out now to all your dealerships across the country, and they're going to send it to all their customers. Correct. And millions of people are going to get the best, highest use. Highest quality of the of that sponsorship. And it's perpetual. It's incredible. It's perpetual. Meaning five years from now, some Charger fan is going to look at the CarMax, yep. and this video is going to come up, and it's going to have cool music, and they're old players because Philip Rivers retired now, but now they're in the Super Bowl, and they're going back, and then someone else is going to utilize it. They're going to take a portion into that video and use it in their video to show something else. It's where all the magic is. That's that's Meltzer Capture, magic. That is Meltzer magic. Perpetuate. Correct. And so that's what I do. But I'm the only one. This is where I'm different than Gary is that I took a monetization 20-year plan. Like mm -hmm. Gary May had a two to five-year plan. Mm -hmm. I took a 20-year plan on what I was doing. How I was going to capture everything, store it, reposit it, make it searchable, how I amplify it over the next 20 years, and how do I perpetuate and monetize it over the next 20 years? And it broke down. Everybody's worried about viewership, right? The ego is telling you, you only have so many viewers. I literally told everyone when they were laughing at me, I just want to impact two people that will impact two people every Correct. single year. Because in five years, as you know, it's 64 people. In 10 years, it's 2,000. It. 15 years, it's 64,000. In 10, 20 years, my goal was Dave Meltzer would impact every day 2 million people that would impact 2 million people. 
My kids won't ever have to starve. My grandkids can live off of that in 20 years. Meanwhile, all but you I'm wouldn't doing, want that for your kids. No, like you, but, but, you, but, but monetization yes, wise, right? Yes, correct. But meanwhile, everyone wanted 2 million followers in year one and, and then they didn't get it, they quit. Or they're worried about the ROI. Yeah. What's the engagement? How many people, exactly what you said, how many people are consuming the content when really the most powerful thing is actually making the content? Because once you're making and capturing the content and you're smart enough, because I was able to eavesdrop just as we were setting up the studios uh, today for the podcast, it's exactly what we do with our team. It's understanding that it's not about us owning the content. It's we were there at the event. We were at Wonderfront that Ernie Hahn and Paul Thornton, they mastermind this incredible three-day event with 120, um, 120 different artists. First year event all over the port of San Diego. That's awesome. You know, activated the port in a way that's never been done. We came in and added value to them by helping their key sponsors create capture content that they were already doing. We were already there and we said, hey, flags, uh, flagship, Cruises, you guys are activating on the port. You're one of the major sponsors. How about we come and we film a video just for you and give it to you with your logo for your marketing team so that you can have content to feed your social channels in a way that no one else is doing. And how much are we charging? Nothing. We're not charging you anything because we're already getting it. Right. And then all of a sudden they're looking. Now they're going to go back and look at their spend, their marketing spend and go, well, what are we getting from our agency? Like, why weren't you guys there capturing this? Yeah. Look, when, you know, we do a lot with Sleep Number and they have an NFL sponsorship, which is extremely expensive. I think yes. there's only seven like it. Oh, wow. Right. I mean, seven they're big, right? The, na the national sponsors, okay. yeah, yeah. they're big. And, you know, they, they're booked with, you know, Jason Witten, Dak Prescott, all the people I got to meet with through Sleep Number, Katie Kirk Couric, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins. It's just amazing. Yeah. And I got some good stuff. But, you know, Old Spice has like a huge podcast set up for me. Amazing. Which is so, right on the corner of Radio Row, they're also a national sponsor, you know, they yes. got the guy on the white horse. Absolutely, right? yeah, great they had great commercials. Yeah, for sure. Uh, meanwhile, I'm bringing in Dana White. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb, Gary Vaynerchuk. The we'll, biggest We'll names. outdo, right? For, and we're sitting there in a, basically an Old Spice set. Yes. Two barbecue chairs with all their products. Sure. So gracious. Millions and millions of people are going to see free commercial for them. Perpetual, right. evergreen And content. they didn't pay Dan anything to stop in there. They didn't pay, right? Correct. It's understanding how that works. Now, all these other companies are calling me going, Dave, we're doing this event. Can you come <laughs> and do this and want to pay me to do that? Correct. And I just want to inspire people. So I'm like, well, look, look we can donate money to charity. I, I'm going to be there anyway. Give me a keynote speech. Mm -hmm. And I'll play the Joel Osteen game, sell my books, whatever you want to do. Sure. But I'm there at South by Southwest, NBA All-Star Game, you know, the Masters, doing these things for these brands so that everybody wins. It's not just buying a three to $5 million commercial. It's, I think from, from our perspective, what, what we've had to go through as a small business, as a restaurant, is we've gone from focusing on marketing, digital marketing, social media marketing, to media. And once you're media, it's no longer about us, it's about the story. And it's about storytelling. It's about creating content and helping our partners, our customers, all the people that are there at the event, wherever we are, and sharing. Sharing that in a way that we all need that content anyways. Yeah. And it's the most powerful content there is. Because it's true. It's not staged. We're not, we're not going to edit this. This is fucking, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> exactly. That's it. 
Yeah, and I think more people understand capture, amplify, perpetuate, as well as circling it all the way back to when the smartphone was created, the convergence device. If we focus in on the content, right? Everyone gets lost in all this trickery and yeah. treachery. Hacks. Yeah, no hacks for me. Look, it's consistent quality content that makes me successful. Consistent every day quality content, authentic to Dave Meltzer, not authentic to anyone else, Sean, not trying to copycat or whatever, just taking ideas and making authentic to what I think. Correct. And there's 4.2 billion people and growing on the internet. And if I'm blessed enough that 3.9 of them don't know who I am and the other 0.3 know who I am and 0.1 of them love me, I'm one of the most popular people on earth making an incredible impact with you know 0.1 of the 4.2 billion people on earth that are impacted by me. Most people never had the opportunity to impact that many people ever. Maybe Muhammad Ali in sports, but ever in the history of the world, I actually have that potential and more. Yes. 0.1 billion people I can impact simply you know, with what capturing, amplifying, and perpetuating. So consistent quality content, understanding who access it, you know, the strength of your signal, the access or spectrum of your signal and the clarity of your message, right? And then the mediums, understanding, I think that's where a lot of people get caught up. There's gonna always be a change. It's in the always mediums. gonna be, a it's people are so worried Just about algorithm learn, and trying yeah, to hack. But like I need more followers on vertical, Instagram. Like, I need it. Link. Don't worry about that stuff. Do no, not worry about just, that. And stuff. if you're worried about, it, just go look in, at. Look, it's so easy. I told someone this today. One of my coaching clients, like, how do you know what to do? I was like, to be honest, I said <laughs> I get the most popular videos, and I look for like the style, the color. Like, why am I going to waste my time? No, like that formatting. I'm just going to copy how they did it, correct, and hope that my frequency is higher than higher than other people's. Yes, and it is, and it's working. Yeah, it is working. It's it's working exponentially. Can you give us a little bit of? peek behind the curtain to your media team and your evolution to, I mean, you were obviously thinking about it before you met and you had your ask from Gary Vee. Yeah, so what happened was I had always, in a traditional sense, written books, spoke around the world, do trainings in my office. I started videotaping the trainings and I had a photographer, an intern that was a photographer. He said, hey, let me do a vlog. What was this, what was J his name? Justin Pugh, he's here still. Okay. He runs all my media. Just, he became the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Justin's D-Rock. Like, hey, I call him Jay. He's your D-Rock. Okay, yeah, now, we'll see. now we're getting somewhere. There Jay we go. Stone. Jay Stone. I, I renamed okay. him. It was Justin. Okay, Jay Stone. There's D-Rock and Jay Stone. There both my boys, both great guys. D-Rock mentors. Now we're Jay. talking. D-Rock mentors Jay Stone. See, now we're talking. He's like Baby Stone. I got like my bread. Yoda and Baby there. Yoda. There you go. Like Peanut and Baby Peanut. Now we're talking. Yeah, so they're all right there. Anyway, so Jay Stone tells me, you know, he's do this vlog. and so What year? Uh, so the, three years ago, so it would be four years ago. So four years ago, 2016? 16, 2016. Super Bowl 16 about. 20, okay. So he does like the first blog, vlog a year before we meet Gary. Okay. And he's following me around. And he's doing these long vlogs. And yes. Like the vlogs, I go a and lot were of- you uncomfortable? Yeah, very. <laughs> and like nobody's really were watching. Were you uncomfortable because, not because of the camera, just because people were watching you with a camera? Both. All, all of it. it. All of it. Well, because you walk in with a camera on me, you like people are like- and, it's, and back then, the cameras, the cameras are much smaller now. Yeah. Right? Much. I remember we got that sweet little Sony. Yes. And like, they were this four years ago. I, there's been a well, lot of advancement. It's crazy. With Dude, us, the iPhone 11's ridiculous. Right? We, I mean, we walk around with that camera, and we'll go to places where there's lots of media. Like, we went up to the Kobe Memorial. Yeah. But those cameras are huge. And he's in there navigating in and out of the crowd. Well, that's a big that, camera. And that's a big compared, camera. Now. Compared to iPhone 11. 11. We went, we, yeah. No, this is how cameras evolved, too. We went to Africa for Unstoppable Foundation, mm -hmm. which I'm the chairman of. 
took my whole family. My wife has extraordinary pictures. And you know the ego of the internet? Some dude's like, oh, man, what, what lens are you using? Those are <laughs> incredible pictures. My wife being as sarcastic as she is, she's like, iPhone 8. IPhone that's not the answer. That's great. But it says where we're at yeah, technology-wise. Sure. Of course. Anyway, so you got this camera. You know, I go to high-level meetings. It yeah. wasn't as if I wasn't successful in my business. No, of course. Right? And yeah. so, like, I'm showing up with a, 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 a mic and a, a camera. <laughs> Forget people Were you micing up anybody else? Us, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but here's the worst part. Like, I wasn't as worried about it that time in 2016 yeah. about people seeing it. Yeah. Because nobody was seeing it. My goal was two people. <laughs> two people. Right? But I, I, was, I was literally trying to figure this stuff out. Once Gary got involved a year later, and we were on literally, I think, somewhere in 60 vlogs or whatever, uh -huh. and no following. Yeah. And here's the best thing. Before that Super Bowl, you know, I Justin is like, maybe we'll get to meet uh, Gary Vaynerchuk at the Super Bowl because he's starting a sports agency. I'm like, who the heck's that? And sure enough, we manifest it, right? Sure. Right in the Nike suite. And he wants to talk to me. Yeah. But my favorite thing is like, we're doing these vlogs and everything. I got like no following. I do my end of the year meeting here. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everybody, oh, they said, what's your biggest fear for 2017? I said that everything's going to break. And they're literally looking at it going, dude, you got no following. What's going to break? <laughs> What's going to break? <laughs> but I told it, explained them I'm on a 20-year plan and that yeah. exponential growth and expansion. That's so important fast. for people to understand. I mean, it's- No overnight success. It, it, it's the fear. It's the fear of anyone starting a podcast. So how many downloads? How many people are listening? Don't, don't give a shit about that. That's not what's important. Yeah, don't give what's a shit what other people say when you're walking around the camera. What's, <laughs> that's, that's true too. But what's important is that you're creating the content that your heart desires. Like literally you're manifesting what you know in your heart is what you want to do. And there was a reason. I mean, when we started this podcast, we started, you know, we brought, it was, I think it was when we brought Brian Smith, the founder of UGG, above the Who butcher shop. Who was my shop. closest friend, right? I, I, I just heard that on a recent podcast. I can't believe that. But, you know, I read his book and then we had him in above the butcher shop and we're sitting there having this incredible business conversation about how he made this, you know, iconic brand and how he struggled selling, you know, shoes out of the back of his, out of the back of his van at sports arena, you know, and I'm like, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to my, our barbecue restaurant, any kind of career. And it's only because I'm doing what I want to do. And he lost everything. And he lost everything. Jo joined my mastermind. He said, I, I, I literally have used my last $100 to get here to this mastermind with Dave Corbin and Greg Reed and myself and Rob Angel, the founder of really? Pictionary. And so I, because I had been on my recovery of money, right? I yeah. told him, dude, I lost everything too. I totally understand. I gave him a $100 bill back. And I said, here, this is to give you back. This is the way the universe works. You gave your last 100 to be here. Here's your last 100 back. So later on, because he totally made a recovery as well, yes. like most winners do, and he literally told me that that $100 bill he left there crying, never spent. He framed it. Oh, my gosh. Even though he needed it, he said, and there were several times over the next six months that he'd look at it to take it out of the frame, and he wouldn't do it. Wow. He, he said, and it, those are the things that are the most valuable things about what I do, and sharing my faith. Green card, black card, gold card, you know, doesn't matter. Everyone's on some kind of blend of faith, and I'm trying to get them to the ultimate black card of faith where, you know, here's the story I gave earlier. Joel Osteen, I think I stole this from, but he told it. It might, it might have been someone else, but guy falls off a cliff, and he grabs onto the branch, and that was Brian Smith. He's holding onto the branch with the last $100. So what does he do? He yells up to the universe, anybody up there that could help me? Yeah. 
God yells back down, you know, here's a hundred dollars. Let go. Let go. I'll help you. Let and go, then most God. people, not Brian Smith, not Brian Smith. He let go. Most people look up and what do they say? Anybody else up there? Right. That's exactly what people do. Not Brian Smith. He let go. That hundred dollars was always there, and he kept putting faith into the fact he doesn't need it. Right. My, I have a friend here. You know him, Jeremy, mm-hmm. brand director. Yeah. Carries two dollar bills everywhere he goes, and he. Gives it to homeless people. He gives it to famous people. He gave Gary his third one. He's met Gary awesome. three times. Gary remembers going, oh, this is the third one you've given me. Brilliant. So how smart he is, right? Yeah. But I love it. And I gave That's some brilliant. in New York to my nine-year-old to walk the street. And I said, you look everyone in the eyes and tell them, God bless you. This is for good luck. This this is for good luck. More of it's coming your way. Now, they can spend it. Yeah. I promise you over half of the people that really need it will never spend that $2. They'd rather have and have faith that more is coming, right? They'd rather than the $2. Yes. You, you always can get another two bucks. It's the faith that they want. And you can provide them that faith. That faith then will provide them everything else they want. Let go and let God. Yeah. I'm, I'm a alcoholic that owns a sports bar <laughs> and we have meetings in our sports bar. It's where I became, where I got into recovery and, um, for me, it was, I, I always say that I was a, a hall of fame drinker, so no one could out drink me. I was, you know, part of the gold jacket club of drinking. But the reason I bring that up is that recovery has allowed me to focus on the things that I, I can control and the things that I can't. And one of the most powerful things in our short time working together was coming here for your end of the year training and talking about the eighth wonder of the world you came in and you started talking about Einstein's eight one, eighth wonder of the world and how that applies to New Year's resolutions. Uh, can you tell us a little bit just about that? <laughs> His eighth wonder of the world in time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Someone's like, you taught me this. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the What hell? did I say? Einstein. <laughs> I read something and then I, started, and then I got on the mic. Well, I do, what well, the fuck happened? No, honestly, because life's about lessons. The lessons are going to keep on coming. And the one thing I know about lessons is, one, you're going to forget every lesson you ever learned, but you have the ability to access it again. That's correct. So I, you know. Relative to what I was talking about with time and Einstein, it's truly the me is compounding interest and extraction of time is that's why I was confused because yeah. my thoughts evolve and Correct. here we were. So from compounding acceleration and growth yes. is what the eighth wonder of the world is by the compounding growth of things. And what people do is they put time as a perspective, which creates resistance, obstacles, voids, or shortages, or corrosion to the connection that we're already connected to in spirit we're already in spirit we yeah. have more power connected to us it has more kilowatts and my finger can light up all of san diego i just get an interference and corrosion in the way of that so what i call the eighth one of the world is acceleration and growth that if people can just look and enjoy the consistent persistent pursuit of that acceleration and growth they'll get there so here's the the format that most people have let's say it takes you 10 years to get to 25 percent of where you want to be Most people quit, 99% of the people quit. Why? Because they start voting for what other people want. They start listening to what other people want. They start caring, wanting to be loved by people for who they're not. 1% hang on. If they have acceleration and growth, the Einsteinian eighth wonder of the world, five years go by, in 15 years, they're now 50% of the way there. The saddest part is that 99% of the 1% quit there for the same reasons. Yeah. People, 
They're voting for what other people want. They're listening to other people, what they think, and creating the obstacles, voids, and shortages. And they end up manifesting what other people want for them, which is not what they want. Here's the saddest part. Of the 1% of the 1%, they're only two and a half years away from being 100% away there, and half as much time from 200, half as much time from 400, half as much time from 800%. That's the eighth wonder of the world. Can you extract time and tell yourself, if... There was no time. What would my decision be? Would I still continue to do this business? Would I stay married? Would I keep this job? Would I, if there's no such thing of time, would I do this? Mm -hmm. That's where faith exists. When you extract time and understand exponential growth and expansion and compound interest, you literally can live with black card faith. Yes. It's okay to blend sometimes. Sometimes I make decisions with green card faith, gold card faith, platinum card faith. But I try my best. Here's the irony I have about faith. Every time I have black card faith, everything works out for the best. Not immediately, but looking backwards going, oh man, I'm so glad I did that. You know, total faith decision. But knowing that, being in the position I am, studying what I study, there are times that I literally still have green card faith. I blend it, right? I mitigate the risk. Yes. And I tell to myself, no, 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 no. If you had black card faith, here's your decision. Go with that. No, I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid. I can't do it. I'll just, I'll, I'll hedge it. I'll, I'll go with gold card faith this time. And guess what? I end up shorting myself because I'm creating interference, corrosions to the connection to that, which I'm already inspired to, the greatest sort of light, power, the thing that keeps you sober. Yes. The thing that makes you purposeful and passionate and profitable. I live my life one day at a time. Yeah. Right, I, I have put more people into rehab than I know, even though I haven't admitted to or been an alcoholic. I'd always say I put more people in rehab because of my partying skills. Sure, well, I've got extraordinary party skills. <laughs> exactly, I'm a great recruiter. Yeah, I've always I been just, a great recruiter. I don't have a quantum. Party. I don't have a quantum memory for the addiction to alcohol. Yeah, so I could stop. You know, I do for tobacco. For nicotine, mm -hmm. I never smoked a cigarette in my life, but couldn't stop chewing tobacco. Mm -hmm. My dad smoked three packs a day. My grandpa smoked. My other grandpa smoked. My mom smoked. All had difficult times quitting. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to quit because I have a quantum addiction like yeah. you do to alcohol. Correct. If today you gave me a, a, a pouch, a skull pouch, you know, one of those things, there's no doubt in my mind, and I haven't done it for 13 years, you know, I even had one ounce of nicotine, if I had that in my mouth, it would only take about a week until I was leaving this podcast to go rush across the street. Go get a get, dip. Because I couldn't stand it. I may have to can't say, let's cut yeah. so I can. That's how bad, and, and I know people with drugs and alcohol that feel the same way. I'm just blessed that that wasn't in my quantum nature because sure. I'd be screwed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Maybe I mean, I dead. It's, it, it's important because, at least for me, when I'm talking about the principles of AA and talking about the recovery it's getting back to the one day at a time and it's getting back to understanding that there's things outside of my control that I can't control, but it's also understanding that those little daily habits back to that Mamba mentality, the exponential power of including daily habits into your routine. And after that training that we did on the 30th, you know, I said that every sunrise I was going to be grateful and every sunset, I was also going to be grateful both at those times. Um, I was going to ask who can help me at sunrise and who can I help at sunset? Uh, but I also wanted to get back to an active lifestyle, back to being a good husband, being a good father. Um, I know that I'm out of shape and I know that, you know, I've put on the pregnancy weight that, you know, Been people, there. people joke about with, with, with women, but I know that I want to be a great father. I want to be a great father to my daughter, to my son, be a great husband. And 
every on January 13th, I started my uh, Sunrise Gratitude run. Yeah, and I call I've it a the run. Picture, it, brother. I, I call it a run, but it's not really a run. It's more of yet. A, it's not yet correct. And I, I think part of the problem is it, it's also become my meditation. Um, it's allowed me time to think. It's allowed me to live a proactive lifestyle. And I always realized the reason I hated running before is because I always wanted to be a rabbit. I always wanted mm. to be a rabbit. I always wanted to run with the rabbits. But what I'm starting to realize is that all the magic happens when you're a tortoise because the tortoise shows up and he shows up every time, every day, no matter what. And that goes back to the Kobe mentality, the Mamba mentality, my grandfather's mentality, Meltzer mentality, Gary V man mentality is you're working long. You're working long because it doesn't matter about today. It doesn't matter about tomorrow. Actually, what does matter is the present. It actually, that's the only thing that does matter is that we do that in the present and that we appreciate it back to gratitude because we have to be grateful for the things that we have. And those first three days, it hurt like shit. My, mm -hmm. my fucking legs hurt, my shins hurt. But I started crying, honestly, during my run, listening to my music. But I started crying thinking of you, thinking of all the things that have happened into my life, doing exactly the purpose-driven life that I wanna have, being connected to get goodness. I just interviewed Nick Hardwick, who was, you know, a childhood hero on the Chargers. I was able to interview him and his wife for, you know, our podcast. I was able to do a workout with him on Christmas Eve. I'm like, how am I being able to have all these amazing things in my life? It's because I'm finding my center, you know, and that's the name of his podcast. It's all these different things that are happening. The universe is speaking to me in a way that I'm just grateful for every opportunity that I have. Um, that's awesome. The what you do one day at a time becomes every day. It's yeah. a really important thing to think about. And I love the fact that you're in that period of life that I was with, with my wife when I said things as I was on the upswing again and wanted to be grateful to my wife for everything she did for me. I said, what do you want? Anything you want in the world. You want to go on a trip? You want a new house, a car? I wouldn't be here without you. You slapped me across the face when nobody would. You told me no when everybody else was telling me yes. You're the reason that I'm here. What can I do for you? She said, because I was about in the shape that you're in, right? She's like, you need to take care of yourself. I'm like, well, I put my family first. I put my activity, I get paid for a second, and I put my health third. And she said, no, you need to put your health first. If you take care of yourself, Dave, I know you'll take care of everyone else. You're not taking care of yourself. So I did the same thing. I said to myself, I wasn't as aggressive as you. I said, I'm just going to put on my shoes. <laughs> put and it on I ended shoes. up in the gym. The step, I ended one. On the step, step one is one. putting on the shoes. I did. And I ended up with all my clothes on. I drove to the gym. I told myself I was going to tap the door, turn around and go home. I went in, looked at the elliptical trainer, said, I'll, I'll give it five minutes, you know, just as my first day. And I ended up giving it 15. Felt like crap. Yeah. You know, and here I am so many pounds down, feeling so much better. I spend a minimum of an hour a day, every day on my health first, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, yeah. I will miss podcasts, meetings, interviews, bank account, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm getting my hour in. Yeah. I first Super Bowl ever I went to every single morning, 7am. I didn't miss one workout. That's so awesome. Killed it. That's so awesome. And I got, got you feel better oh, mentally. Exactly. Physically. Yeah. Of course, physically, but yeah. mentally you feel better. No doubt. Well, we got time for one more question, my brother. I would like to know how, how, for you, what do you need help with? What's top of mind for you and your team? I, I really appreciate that. Not as much. 
I mean, more than I ever have. I mean, and I am brave enough to tell you what I need. I need people to share my content and allow me to have more opportunities to impact people. So whether it's, you know, getting good guests on the podcast, reading my books, stages, if you do annual meetings, if you have groups that you want me to motivate, inspire, I can impact and change. As you know, the more people that can get exposed, I'm really good at conveying the message now. And I just want more opportunities to share my content and do good deeds. Please, if you take those two things, looking at everything, real simple things, just try to do as many good deeds in a day that you can and share my content and allow me to have more opportunities to share my own content. Oh, I'd be so grateful. So thank you for asking. No, we're uh, beyond grateful for you and your time. I know usually you're on the 520 and I got a, an extended version of that today. Yeah, so. you brought free food. You want, <laughs> you want more than 20 minutes with Dave Meltzer bringing quality food like Cali barbecue. And I got brisket coming next time. That, there you go. Amazing. So if you're, yeah, if you're listening to the audio podcast, please uh, check out the video as well on our YouTube page, Cali barbecue media, but follow Meltzer. Everything we talked about will be in the show notes. Thanks to Stover, our producer. Um, you got an incredible media team you're everything that you're doing is it's incredible because it's it is so profound and you're impacting so many people and i know it's only just gotten started yeah that's what i feel too that's the best that's coming back from super bowl i'm like damn we are getting we somewhere. haven't even started yeah man have it's not. so exciting well i appreciate you and thank i look you. forward to our future together thank, thank you, you. So appreciate you take care